horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Thanks again for joining us on Winning Ponies. I hope everybody's doing well, uh, testing clean, wearing those masks, washing those hands, still staying socially distanced. I know it's hard if you're going to the racetrack because a lot of times people just kind of walk up on you and start a conversation, but do your best. Do your best. Well, you wouldn't be listening to us if you weren't still with us, so we're happy to have you with us. And uh, two of my favorite people will be our guest handicappers. Uh, The first out of the box, the West Coast representative and writer extraordinaire, Jay Privman, will join us. did a little research. He lives exactly 11 miles from his home to the media parking lot space of his at Del Mar. So if anybody is on top of the Del Mar card, it's our man, Jay Privman. Still can't believe he won five Red Smiths Award. That's for the best Kentucky Derby story written all year. And There's a lot of competition. I won't go on and on about what a great writer is. If you've been... Uh, Reading the form for the last 20 years, you know that fact. Well, uh, we're going to be going to several different tracks. Obviously, Del Mar, Saratoga, going to try to sneak one in from Monmouth. And, of course, we will help you out here at Winning Ponies. Go over and uh, pick up our easy win forms. Uh, We scored a nice one today at Gulfstream Park, a $1 Super 5 box that paid $1,000. 774. Now, about a week ago at Del Mar, that was our big one, folks. A $1 Super 5 key paid over $5,000. So, if you're getting serious about betting the horses this weekend, and you should, plenty of graded stakes action, come on over to Winning Ponies and pull down the easy win forms. They're easy to read and not too expensive. So there's our top two guests. Don't want to get involved in too much news because really, uh, hopefully I'll have time at the at the end of giving you the results. But um, uh, first I want to get to last week's races. Uh, this week again with Jay, we're going to do the TVG Pacific classic, the Del Mar Oaks and the Del Mar handicap. Great races. And then with steady Eddie, I'm going to make him move around. We're going to go to Del Mar, Saratoga and Monmouth park with him. I'll also going to have him chime in on the Pacific classic. What's so special about this race, John, the field's not that big, no, but it's competitive. I hope you watched the San Diego handicap a couple weeks ago. It was maximum security. That's right. We'll find out if he has really earned $11 million when Saudi decides whether or not they're going to pay him out for the uh, race in the Saudi Cup. Uh, but uh, he re-rallied in his first start for Bob Baffert and got the job done over midcourt and higher power. All three are back in the Pacific Classic. It's going to be a great race. Well, speaking of great races, the Alabama has been over the years for many, many years. And now to etch alongside many Hall of Famers could be the name of Swiss Skydiver. That's in the Hall of Fame. 
But as a winner of the Alabama, it's for real. Kenny McPeak, what a job he's done. Again, he plucks this one out of the Keeneland September sale for 35000 I know that's a lot to you and me, folks, but down in that arena, that is blue light special time. Swiss Skydiver, unbelievable. Uh, as you recall, last time she tried uh, Art Collector in the Bluegrass, she's back with the girls now in the Alabama. Mile and a quarter, mind you. She was with the pace all the way when all of a sudden Tyler Gaffleone said go. She went. And uh, after she pulled away from the field, <clears throat> she won under wraps big time. Uh, finishing in her wake was uh, Bonnie South and Harvey's little Goyle. But uh, we might get Kenny on before the uh, Kentucky Oaks. He's always been great to work with. I knew him back in his early days. So we go back a ways. Uh, then the uh, Saratoga Oaks Invitational game on the lead was Antoinette. A beautiful ride by uh, John Velasquez. Uh, perfectly rated. And boom! Got up by a head over Stunning Sky, who was making a very, very strong finish. Remember that Mike Maker uh, trainee. And for those of you that have been watching Fox lately, uh, Jonathan Kinchin, that's been on this show for years, uh, picked this as his best bet of the day, paid $12 to win. In the third spot at 28 to 1 was Key Biscayne. Then north of the border at Woodbine, we handicapped two races. And uh, the first was the half a million dollar Woodbine Oaks, and it was Curlin's Voyage. Patrick Husbands, great job of riding for Josie Carroll. Found room on the rail, broke from the one hole, didn't go to the lead, but found room, squeezed through it. It was an exciting ride and got the job done over a fleet Catherine. And in the third spot was Marvelou. I think that's how you pronounce the horse's name. But nonetheless, Curlin's Voyage, talented three-year-old filly by Curlin, gets the job done for a half a million dollars. And then we went to the King Edward Stakes, and it was Eric Wing's top pick. March to the Arch, paying over $9, put in a late close for trainer Mark Cassie. March to the Arch gets the job done in the grade two King Edward. And uh, in the uh, second spot was Admiral T. Pier at eight to one, and finishing third was Silent Poet. All right, so much for the Canadian races. Now we go to the Jersey Shore, where the TVG Pegasus took place, 150,000 on the line, and the winner. Four to five, didn't disappoint. Steve Asmussen with an Uncle Mo, pneumatic, Jersey Joe Bravo in the saddle. This horse was coming out of the Belmont on mile and eighth, had no problem with a mile and a sixteenth. And uh, in the second spot, you got to like this horse. Jesus's team closed well in this race and got the job done over Arcan, a uh, Michael Pino colt that had was undefeated coming into uh, this race. Then we had the Saratoga Derby uh, Invitational, 
And the winner in that one was domestic spending. Wow. When do you get seven to one on an Irad Ortiz horse trained by Chad Brown? Mile of 316th on the turf. Domestic spending. Man, a lot of people got to sleep at the wheel. But it was coming back against two other horses uh, that it lost to in the Hall of Fame. We had the one, two, three finishers in the Hall of Fame. Uh, in the uh, second spot was Goofo, who came flying at the finish. Uh, Christophe Clement, who's really hot at Saratoga, trains that one. And in the third spot, long shot, 18 to 1. <clears throat> No word. Oh, I missed another race up at Woodbine. You got to put these in order before we go to the show. Uh, this was the Bold Venture. Uh, no surprise in the horse's name, but it was a surprise in the way he finished. That's right. Multiple Canadian Horse of the Year. Pink Lloyd, who's now won over a million and a half dollars, takes this grade three event. But I'll tell you what, it was not easy this is a super horse he's eight years old now 20 no 30 starts now 25 wins the strange thing is one of the few losses two of the few losses he's had came in the bold venture wow for a horse that's won 25 out of 30 that's kind of weird but hey that is over but man rafael hernandez did a fantastic job just Bullied his way between Olympic runner and Malibu secret and just got up by a neck. A thrilling race to watch the bold venture. Uh, second was Olympic runner did put in a huge close, put him on your list of horses to watch from the Mark Cassie barn. And in the third spot at 10 to one was Malibu secret. All right, looks like I actually left a little time here to get to some of the, the news of the day. And um, looks like Rafael Bayerano, he was sidelined by an injury, but it didn't happen in a race. Uh, he had to undergo surgery in a Louisville hospital to have a small non-malignant growth removed from his pancreas. Uh, his agent, I watched this guy win a million races down in Kentucky, Julio Espinoza, uh, said that uh, Bayerano is back in Kentucky. He's 38 years old now. He'd been feeling some pain, and he said, hey, let's go in and see the doctor. But thankfully, he says uh, he's going to be uh, fine. Hasn't ridden now for over a week uh, when he won the Run Happy debutante down at Ellis Park. Uh, what a great guy, Rafael Bayerano is. His story is fantastic. Uh, came out of the Peruvian jockey school, uh, won his first, uh, U.S. race. I was there. John Bobby was the name of the horse at River Downs. And, uh, so he had, has left his longtime base in Southern California and he's back to Kentucky. Of course, he went right from uh, the Cincinnati area over to Kentucky. And, uh, but you know, he's made his name in, in Southern California just fine. He's been one of the top jocks. And, uh, so, you know, uh, he is just a super guy. I knew him when he barely spoke English. And if you heard his interviews now, he's really put an effort into improving that just a super, super guy. And, uh, but they say he has an excellent chance of coming right back and uh, 
the thing is, because he's in Kentucky and a lot of jocks aren't showing up, a guy like Raphael has a good chance to pick up a derby mount. He's ridden the derby 10 times, but hasn't had a mount since 2015. So, Raphael, we wish you nothing but the best. Now, let's go down to Remington Park in Oklahoma City. They're going to open the meet with big fields, but small on spectators. And uh, we uh, know that they're just trying to play it safe. So it's uh, been extended a week later this year. Um, the highlights, of course, will be the, uh, the Grade 3 Oklahoma Derby. And... Uh, uh, yep, everything's fine with Jay. Just wanted to let you know that that is the correct number. I'm talking to my producer here for a second. And uh, so uh, anyhow, Remington Park's going to be back in action. Uh, the fans are going to have to come through the casino, have their temperature taken. Um, they're going to have, I believe, 32 stakes this meet. And... Uh, we uh, will uh, be tuning in to the Oklahoma Derby and the Springboard Mile. Uh, the richest race is worth 200000 each uh, compared to their normal values. Like anything else, when the casinos are closed, money's not going into the purses. Uh, so that they were pretty much cut in half. Uh, tr uh, trainer Carl Broberg won all six of his starts Wednesday at Evangeline Downs. Just unbelievable. Uh, he, uh, he is something else. Uh, the guy has just been burning him up. He's originally from Chicago, but he rules down there. Uh, he's the current leading trainer at Evangeline, where he's won multiple titles. And uh, he... Uh, uh, for the past six years, starting at 2014, he's led all North American trainers. Okay, well, let's take a little bit of a commercial break here. and we come back, we hope to have Jay Privman on the line. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. I'm always so happy when I reach out to Jay Privman and he comes back and says, sure, I'll be happy to be on the show with you, John. Jay's with us. Of course, I uh, uh, teased some of his accomplishments at the uh, top of the show when I was doing the introductions. Uh, Jay Privman, welcome back again. Thanks for being on the show. John Engelhardt, it's my pleasure. All right. Well, I, you know, I try to do my research on my guests. You know, I think I know you, but then I find different things out. Well, um, I think I shorted you a Red Smith. You you won the Red Smith Award six times? Uh, I, I did. I, I, they, they stopped doing that award at Churchill Downs, um, uh, which is too bad because it was a nice incentive, I think, for aspiring and up-and-coming reporters, but it was nice while they did it. Absolutely. I was trying to research it, and instead I started running into interviews with you and stuff. Of your Red Smith Awards, and again, I told everybody it's for the best Kentucky Derby story written, not by any exclusive publication or anything like that. It's open to every writer that covers the Derby. It, it is an extreme honor. Jay, can you recall the one that maybe you got your teeth into the best that you enjoyed writing and felt best about getting the award? Well, I'd have to go back and look those up. I mean, some of them are from more than 30 years ago, John. So, I mean, I remember winning one that when, you know, Sunday Silence won the Derby over Easy Goer. Um, that was a particularly, you know, interesting story to write because it was such a cold day and it was, you know, it, was, it ended up being such a great rivalry. Um, so that would be one, but I'd, I'd have to I, I'm getting up there in years. I can't remember. It must you know, be nice. I don't you have know? instant recall on something like that, but if you give me a little warning next time, I'll actually do some research instead of trying to talk <laughs> off the top of my head. I will, Jay. This is like asking Jenny Reese. Uh, so tell me about your Eclipse Award. She's like, well, I'm not in the living room, so I can't read the <laughs> the brass plates. <laughs> Just go, go ahead and wing it. But nonetheless, it's such a high honor. It really is. I can't believe you were winning them that long ago. But uh, uh, nonetheless, an extremely high honor. One of the, one of the things I also uh, found out was an interview you had, you had done with another outlet. And uh, they were asking about some of the most influential persons in your career. And you said it was a tie between Stephen Christ and Joe Hirsch. Uh, it, it, Joe Hirsch, as you stated, was a great mentor to yourself. But what you also said in that interview was that if you had a passion for the game and a genuine interest in getting things right, he wanted to help advance your career, and he was great dinner company. I was blessed one time. I forget. It might have been the Turf Writers Award Banquet or whatever, but I got to assign a seat for dinner, and it turned out to be next to Joe Hirsch. I'm like, wow, you know, and this is when Joe was getting up in years and um, it was tough to see him that way. You know, he kind of, you know, had that Sonny Jim Fitzsimmons thing where he he was bent over. But man, don't take his looks for not having a sharp mind. So he turns to me and he says, well, where are you from, young man? And I said, River Downs. He goes, 
River Downs? You mean Coney Island? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he knew what the name of the track was in 1926. <laughs> and he was a great man. Huh. Reeling off stories about, you know, the great crusader when he set the track record there and stuff. I'm like, this guy is amazing, you know? Uh, he was phenomenal. Wouldn't you, you, of all things you could inherit after a person passes away, wouldn't you like to inherit his little black book? I think everybody's name in racing was in there. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, the contacts that he had, and that was back, you know, before there was internet and cell phones. I mean, you, you had to do the, the work in the morning of making the rounds. And then if you didn't reach somebody, you had to use a, a landline and hope that they were around to, to get your message. Um, it was, it was a lot different. It was a lot harder, I think, than, than it is now. And he was amazing what he would, the comprehensive nature of all the derby stuff that he would have every day. You know, John, I actually have a couple of old keepsakes of his that um, he left to me um, when he passed. One of them was, oh. I've got his nameplate from the old press box at Hialeah. It says Joe wow. Hirsch Daily Racing Forum, and there's a, a couple of uh, uh, pink flamingos on it. Um, and then I also have a, when he, uh, uh, when he had worked for the racing forum on the racing forum Centennial, he got a, uh, a glass horse head on a, uh, on a trophy. And, uh, and I, and I have that, both of those are on my, uh, in my office. Uh, so I'm looking at them now. Wow. You are truly blessed. Uh, that he would think that much of you, Jay, to to leave you something after you passed. And clarify one thing, because I tell people this, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Was his roommate in New York, Joe Namath? Yeah, I mean, in the in the when Joe Namath first came to New York uh, to play for the Jets, Sonny Werblin, who owned the Jets at the time and um, owned Monmouth Park, obviously knew Joe Hirsch. And, you know, Joe was a bachelor and. They thought he might have a good uh, influence on Joe yes. Namath to try and maybe keep him a little more in line. Uh, but uh, but yes, they roomed together for a number of years. They were great friends, and in fact, when Joe had his, I mean, they stayed they stayed friends forever. And um, I remember Joe Namath being at Joe Hirsch's retirement party from the Daily Racing Forum uh, in in New York back when Joe retired. I, God, that was like in. 2008 now i think it's been it's been a while but uh, yeah i mean i i tell people in horse racing that story and they tell me i'm full of crap i said no if you go to wikipedia if you don't believe me <laughs> google not is that your that's... friend <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know I, I can't think of two more diverse individuals in my life but i can see <laughs> where joe might have some influence on a guy like uh, namath uh you know to kind of reel him in a little bit about professional sports and how you might want to act but that that's a whole other story but i knew you'd be able to clarify that for me well you're going to have uh, quite the, the the saturday i want to check with you since the last time i talked um are, are you allowed like a private space at the track where y you can watch saturday's races so media uh, is allowed. Uh, certain media is allowed at, at Del Mar, and we uh, we have to be in the press box there during the races. But we can watch the stakes races from the ground level, uh, either on the apron on the big screen, or you know go on the first floor and watch on a TV monitor. And then 
that way we have access to the winning trainer and jockey as they come through the tunnel afterwards and they stop and we can interview them from a, you know, socially distanced standpoint. Um, so we can get it done. It's obviously not ideal, but, you know, I, I think we've just had the attitude of at least we're racing and, you know, grat- gratified that, that at least that's taking place. Well, Jay, you, you're going to see a great race uh, at Del Mar in the 10th, going a mile and a quarter, half a million up for the TVG Pacific Classic. The one, two, three finishers of the San Diego Handicap. And man, that was a hard fought race. Maximum security, mid court, higher power. I mean, let's face it. Uh, I mean, Ohio higher power finished six links behind the top two. That was a grueling race for maximum security. And I'm sure you recall Baffert saying, well, I really think he was only about 80%. And it was a gutsy effort on maximum security's part, starting for a new barn and not without any influence shall we say of uh, jason's service um but did it take a lot out of them and you know could this be uh, a time for higher power who won this race last year to pop back up or to for a midcourt to prove he's you know the horse he was in the last race but the thing i noticed about higher power jay is that he's no stranger to a mile and a quarter he's won over 1.2 million dollars no, so yeah, I, I think Higher Power will run a much better race. Uh, he, he's a much more effective horse at a mile and a quarter. The mile and a sixteenth last time was just way too abrupt for him. You know, he is the defending race winner here, he, and this is he ran the best race of his life, I think, here last year when he won the Pacific Classic. He blew yeah. that field out of the water, and, and you know, subsequently he was third to Vino Rosso and McKinsey in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and then he was second to Improbable, uh, who you could argue might be the best older horse in the country right now uh, right. In, in the gold cup at, at, at the Hollywood gold cup at Santa Anita back in June. So I think going back to a mile and a quarter will benefit higher power. You know, I don't know what to make a maximum security. I, I do think he'll run a better race. He it trained kind of indifferently, very lazily going into the Santa Anita handicap. He really needed to be urged along in some of his works and coming out of that race, John, he, he has struck me as being more, eager to do his work. And so I think he's, I think he can improve, uh, off of, off of that race, but certainly there's a lot of unknowns about him. Um, but you know, he's also very effective at uh, a mile and a quarter. The only time, you know, he, uh, uh, the, the, the two times he's run at that distance, uh, one, one of the times he, uh, uh, he, he finished first and then had his number taken down. Seriously, and you know what? He is uh, he's an interesting physical specimen because I've heard him described as almost quarter horse-like, and he is with the muscular build. I mean, it, it, it would be great if we could prove to the sport that this horse doesn't need any extra help from anybody, and he really is a great horse. Well, he's, he's a very game horse, I'll tell you that. I mean, like you said, and that when he won the San Diego last time, he really had to fight to to win that race because that was a it was a tough race and it didn't really unfold i think in his favor i think he wants to be on the lead and i think you'll see him much more forwardly placed here and not take back like uh they kind of raided him last time uh and i i don't think that was in his best interest i think you'll see him i think the strategy will be a little bit different saturday well, I see Abel Cedillo will be 
backup on him. He probably learned a little something that day. And, uh, you know, uh, since that race, of course, he's, you know, walked out and uh, taken a (laughs) a Baffert-like bullet work here on August 9th. Uh, I don't know if Sadila was up for that or not, but it really doesn't matter with Baffert's training style. It's going to be a very, very interesting race, though. And, you know, I'm just I'm not I don't want maximum security to get beat. But, you know, this could be an opening with a horse like higher power in there. No, it'll be uh, it'll 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 be a fun race. And like I said, I think higher power will be a lot better going a mile and a quarter. And for those of us on the East Coast, these are going to be uh, you're going to be able to kick back on Saturday evening uh, and and take these races in. Uh, this race actually will go off e- Eastern time uh, at uh, six, eight, seven, eight, eight, nine thirty in the evening. So it'd be very interesting. Okay, the Grade One Delmar Oaks. Uh, nobody's ducking anybody in here. 11 of them are going to post. I'm having a hard time sorting them out. Uh, again, uh, the, the Oaks, that means it's for Phillies. Uh, this is going to be a mile and an eighth on the turf. And uh, it looks like uh, the slight favorite, at least in the morning line, that doesn't mean she's a sure thing by any means, uh, will be uh, Peter Miller trained Laura's Light. Uh, who's done almost nothing wrong this year, four starts, three wins, likes Delmar, and has won at the distance. Yeah, no, she's a, a, a really uh, game filly. She's won five out of seven starts. She's won her last couple of races. And in fact, uh, you know, going long on the turf, she's won uh, four in a row uh, on in, in that context. So, um, she's really uh, a high-class filly. I'm not sure a mile and an eighth is her best distance, but as you pointed out, she has one at it, and I think uh, you know you, you still have to beat her to win this race. She's she's she will make her presence felt uh, no matter what. But there's a couple other in, others in here that are interesting. I think Warren Showtime, who uh, who finished third to her in the San Clemente, and uh, Gwitty, who was right between them. They obviously both fit in here, but there's a horse that's shipping in from France that I think is going to be very, very uh, prominent in this race, uh, and that's Miss Extra, number three. Yes. Uh, she's she's an import, uh, was trained in France by Pia Brandt, uh, and is now trained by Richard Mandela, uh, ran against the best fillies in France earlier this year when in the, in the Prix de Diane, which is the equivalent of the French Oaks. Uh, she... Ran poorly that day, but was on good to soft ground. And I think getting back to some firm ground, uh, she had won three straight prior. And I, I think, I think she's going to be very, very uh, prominent in this race. Now, these people in France, do they only have like Chad Brown and Richard Mandela's phone number in their phones? <laughs> well, I think uh, a lot of those imports, you know, go to Christophe Clement and Belmont as well. So but, yeah. And Leonard, and Leonard Powell has, uh, you know, has uh, just in this race has a uh, another French import. So uh, obviously Chad Brown gets a lot of those kinds of horses, but uh, there are several other barns that they trickle to. Yeah, it just seems like whenever I see a horse coming in from Brazil, Argentina, you know, y- y- you name it, uh, that so many of them end up in Mandela's barn and go on to become uh, very successful runners in the U.S., yeah, no, he's done very well with South Americans. I mean, obviously, this is a filly from France, but 
Um, you know, he's, he's done very well with South American imports over the years, as well as has out here Ron McAnally, you know, both Hall of Fame trainers, both highly respected, and uh, they can pretty much, you give them, you give them the, the horse and they know what to do with it. They sure do. Well, uh, if Mandela doesn't take that one, uh, it kind of looks like, I don't have the odds in front of me, but it, it, it looks like the, the Del Mar handicap going a mile and three eighths on the grass uh, goes through United. Certainly. I mean, he's eight to five on the morning line. I'm sure he'll be, he'll be a lot shorter than that. You know, it's a big field. There's, uh, there's 11 in the race, but you know, he's, his form right now is just as good as it's been. He's won all three of his starts this year. Obviously he's best known for his close finish behind bricks and mortar in the breeders cup turf last year. And he's trying to get back to the breeders cup turf, which this year is at Keeneland in this race on Saturday, the Del Mar handicap is a win and you're in for the breeders cup turf. He drew the rail. He's got Pratt. Uh, so he's certainly the, you know, the, the, he'll be heavily favored in that race. Well, even though there's no uh, Red Smith Award anymore, will Jay Privman be in Louisville for the Kentucky Derby for the daily racing form? Yeah, it's not looking like it. Uh, you know, I'd like to go, but there's just too many aspects of travel right now that are just not really uh, appealing. So uh, it, it looks like my 38-year streak of attending the Derby is going to uh, is going to come to an end. Uh, I've worked, I've covered every derby from 1982 through last year, but there's just too many uh, variables that are uh, that that don't make it appealing uh, this year from a travel standpoint. So, unless something changes, I mean, I haven't, you know, I have flights, I have hotel, I have uh, rental car, all that. Um, you know, if, if some things were to change, uh, I could still go, but I'm not expecting to go. Well, also, uh, and I'm kind of close to the to Louisville. Um, now they're saying that the protesters are going to be out in full force too, trying to get people to boycott going. You know, even though they're only allowing you know a minimal amount of people to attend. So, just between that and the COVID, uh, you know, they're giving us reasons not to show up this year. Sad to say, but uh, you know. Maybe it's the the best way to go. But either way, I'm sure you'll be watching it from afar and still uh, giving input to the Derby. I know you've been writing stories leading up to it. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the jockey uh, picture shakes out because some guys just aren't going to get coming to Kentucky because they're going to be in jail for wherever they normally ride for 14 days. Yeah, no, it's only a week now, John. They they adjusted that. They they need to be in just the, the Monday of uh, of Derby week. So um, there's still a lot of guys who aren't going to come in because of that. Rosario and both Ortiz brothers uh, among them, but they don't have to be there for two weeks now. It'll be interesting. I, I hope my friend Rafael Bayerano gets a chance to. Uh, ride in another Kentucky Derby. But Jay Pribman, as always, it's an honor to have you on the show. Love having you on. Uh, as uh, award-winning and as esteemed as you are, I consider you a regular guy. <laughs> uh, we, the regular guys are uh, are, are the uh, backbone of the industry, and uh, I'm proud. If you, I'm proud to be 
uh, known as a regular guy. So <laughs> no, no higher honor coming from you. <laughs> All right. Jay Privman's been with us, folks. Daily Racing Forum. You can read them every day. Del Mar is going to be a fantastic place to watch the races. Make sure you tune in. Jay, thanks a million for joining us again. Anytime, John. Thanks so much. Okay. Jay Privman from DRF. We're going to take a break and we come back. The man I really admire. That's right. Admire. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, a gentleman I've had the privilege of working alongside on uh, various projects in racing over the years. Uh, he does a stellar job on all uh, levels. Uh, he's worked at uh, the River Downs, uh, a.k.a. Belterra Park for many years previous to that. I knew him from his days at Turfway Park. I know he did some stints at uh, the legendary Keeneland race course. So he's seen racing at every level, but uh, like Jay Privman, he is a regular guy as we used to team up for a radio show called the regular guys in Cincinnati for many years. Admire, welcome back, buddy. Good evening, John. How are you, my friend? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. The heat wave's gone. It's been real nice. Uh, Going to go home, walk the dog on the golf course, but mainly I'm pumped up to talk to you right now. 
Well, great. You know, just the thought of handicapping with you is a lot of fun. When you alluded back to the regular guy radio, I'm going to tell you what. Was there any more fun that two guys could have on a Saturday morning, getting up early, talking horses with some of the greatest names? You you had a you had a cacophony of of names that you could actually just fall back on, and we had some great guests. Those were some of the best years of my working and racing life. Well, the, the feeling is mutual, Ed, <clears throat> and uh, you're still at the track every day. I'm now uh, more of a racing organization kind of guy, but we stay in touch on a pretty regular basis. And so uh, I, I, I know you stay up on your ponies. Uh, I don't know how much of the interview uh, with Jay you got to hear. I know you usually come in late, but uh, the Pacific Classic, not a big field, but man, after watching the San Diego handicap, I, I, I just can't put a ring around maximum security. I, I hope I can. I hope he is the great horse that racing needs. Um, Baffert said he was only 80% going into that race, but man, he had to try hard hats off to Abel Sedillo. You know, if he said he's 80% and we got to see that, he got down on his belly and he dug in deep. Abel Cedillo usually has his usual pilot, Luis Saez, aboard, I believe, who had five wins at New York today, just to let you know that he's still alive and kicking and uh, and just knocking down the door. But Abel Cedillo did a great job last time out. My, my original thoughts, I followed suit with you 100%, but after I watched it, that was the first time all since February 29th coming back in from the Saudi cup of which he won. It takes a long time. It takes a long time to really kind of get, it's not a week off or two weeks off or a month. It takes a while for an animal to really adjust to that time, that pressure, that being on a plane you know, there were, there was some time down, I'm sure, but they came back. I went back and watched it again. And I was very impressed with maximum security. And if you look at the last time that he won Quite a mile and a quarter in his rearview mirror, a day that he wants to forget, I'm sure, which was the Kentucky Derby. John, I'm not, I'm not worried about a daggone thing. Cedillo is a great little rider. With Baffert, he's winning 44% as a team. This is the second start off of a layoff. We've got some solid works coming in. You know what? I had the exact same feeling as you, but I've kind of washed it away. And I think we're going to see a whole different runner here. I think we're going to see more back to the maximum security that we're used to seeing. Yeah, I I hope you're right. Uh, As I said with Jay, the horse that won it last year is in here. And here's an angle a good friend of mine used to show me all the time. Third race back after a layoff and that's higher power he's the one that won it last year he's had uh, a very uh, uh, competitive season in in the gold cup at san anita uh, he ran behind improbable that has to be considered one of the top handicap horses uh, in north america right now and then um to uh, get beat by maximum security and midcourt who's in this race, who will provide pace most likely. Um, if there's an upsetter in here, I'm putting my $2 on higher power. That's actually my, my second choice in there for John Sadler and, and Flavian Pratt. I mean, he's only winning 23% of the time. 
which is really, really good numbers. This is second start off of a brief layoff, a little freshening here. In the past week alone, Pratt is 16 for 24 in the money. I mean, his numbers speak for themselves. Higher power is the kind of animal that can actually stalk right off. And you did you did touch on midcourt could be a, a really a good, much of a pace presence here. But the best part about maximum security, he can jump to the front or lay just a hair off of it and just keep an eye on the leader. This is I, I keep coming back to maximum security. Me and the rest of the uh, the betting public, I'm sure we're we're all going to be locked and loaded with that. I'm I'm going to be hoping that midcourt can provide a little pace for maximum security, so you can just set up a little rabbit and just run him down. And, and I think higher power is going to make a little bit of a run, but that's going to be my trifecta. It's Jock City, but I'm going to take it. And I'm going to enjoy watching Maximum Security come back to his real self. And again, as I, I stated with Jay, this race won't be going off our time until 930. So I know what lazy boy I'll be sitting in with a cooler next to me Saturday <laughs> night <laughs> because Delmar has a fantastic card. Uh now, at 6.30 Eastern Time, we'll have the Tory Pines. Uh, this is an interesting race. Uh, I, I guess one of, the, one of the great racing angles of modern time are if Baffert's got two horses in the race, bet the horse with the longer odds. <laughs> and they're very Great close. idea. Uh, provocations coming in here. Mike Smith will ride. He's at nine to two, but a little bit longer. Uh, Victor Espinoza has been deputized uh, to ride Murneath uh, and uh, he's displacing uh, Drayden Van Dyke in that race. Uh, Your personal friend, Rudy Brousette, uh, oddly is making his first start at Santa Anita. I think uh, Oriala Garland is a, a bit, uh, she's biting off a lot here, considering she's coming out of a second place in the grade three Iowa Oaks. Um, what about Harvest Moon? It seems like Simon Callahan has figured out this is a miler filly. This race is a mile, grade three, 100%. And she, the last two races have been really good, and her speed figures keep getting better and better. And I think the other one in here that who knows what kind of horse this could be, a daughter of Into Mischief out of a candy ride mare who's undefeated, and that's Secret Keeper. John, you touched on a really good point with Harvest Moon. Uh, you, you got a real nice, you got a real nice filly here by Uncle Mo. That definitely a mile fits her wheelhouse completely. That race on the turf, I'm going to dismiss that. After that, it was bam, bam, two straight wins. But my top pick in here is Secret Keeper. Now, you you alluded to the the speed figure numbers that you're kind of going by, and I'm also looking at a different version right now, and they're actually higher. Secret Keepers are actually higher. And now they both come out of an optional claiming 40 race, which is a pretty heady race out in California. I mean, it's a nice building block race. If you're looking in the wintertime at Gulfstream, you want to find those optional 62s or optional 75s, optional claiming that is. This is an optional claiming 40, and I think this is a real builder race. Trainer Clifford Sice has seven starts, three wins, and three-thirds, 43% yeah. winning. Take a look at only 19 starts this year. He's winning 32%. So it seems like he's a little bit more selective. Clipper Sykes has been around for a while, and he's a little more selective in what he actually has here. This daughter of into mischief, I think, is actually the perfect stalker, John. And and I don't think that the uh, 
the, the distance is really going to play that big of a problem. It looks to be just that perfect stalking position right against the rail, and just don't get yourself in a box and just move when the uh, the going is good and push the button when you're ready. I like Seeker, Seeker Keeper. I think Abel Cedillo is going to have one heck of a day. Yeah, and again, everywhere you look when you check the charts after a weekend of big races, all of these horses are by into mischief. I mean, he has just blossomed as the new Tappet, if that's a word. Uh, not, not, not to uh, malign Tappet, but into mischief, who stands for 175,000. Whether they're boys or girls is knocking them dead. Lightly raced, but. Uh, could be a three-year-old filly we see down the road for sure, uh, undefeated at this point. Well, Ed, uh, let's see. What do you say we go to my favorite track of all time, the spa under the ancient elms that has the Man of War fountain for you to drink water out of? And... Uh, <laughs> It's it's free. It's free. You go up there. You get a little cup, and you you drink out of the Manowar fountain. Uh, what a but great I've had race. friends that did that, and they said it's worth it's worth every penny of free. They they uh, <laughs> they had upset bellies after they had their uh, their shot of the. It spa tastes water. like salt water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to try to goad me into that one, weren't you, buddy? Oh, but you got it. You got to do it. You got to do it. It's 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 part. It's part yeah. When when, it, when in Rome or when in the spa, you know what? If if I'm there. You better believe I'm going to have two cups, one for me and one for you, and I will do it. All right. Well, let me just check on our time here um, so I can uh, uh, kind of see what we got. But anyhow, this race, very competitive. The top three finishers from last year's four-star Dave are in here. Got Stormy, Raging Bull, and Uni. I like all three. You know, uh, all three are monsters. And I went back at, I think I, I, I did something I normally don't do. I went back and I, and I readjusted a little bit and I came back to Uni, Chad Brown runner here by more than ready. And that just the game was really a good race. It was against newspaper of record. Now that really caught my eye and I really, really liked it. Now Uni is going to be my second, my second pick, my top pick in here. And I'm doing this without the odds in front of me, but I'm sure you have the the updated version now. I, I like without parole. And I went back yeah. and I watched the Maker's Mile. And, John, I really think that I've got something here that's going to be incredible. I mean, I ran Ortiz for Chad Brown. These guys are winning 23% as a team. Last time out, I mean, it was a Keeneland on July 10th, that brief meet they had. This was a big-time run. Four wide, gaining like a downbound train. I ran Ortiz as a really good closing rider. He wins about 23% of the time with closing uh, runners. I really like without parole, and I'm going to use on top of Uni. Well, again, they, you still have got Stormy and Raging Bull to consider. I know. I I have really pondered over this race, over and over, God Stormy to me is going to be a little bit lesser of a player. And it, every handicapper has to come up with a plan on paper to how they see it shaking out. I see Uni 
being really tough, raging bull from the rail. But the rail is not the place to be on the inner turf. Now, the inner turf can be a little bit wicked. This is a real closing runner. Joel Rosario for Chad Brown there. And, you know, as you can see, there's been some races on the inner turf there, which, you know, lends me to think, well, you know what? You've seen it before. It's not going to be anything different. So raging bulls in it. This is another chalk city. But, John, I really think that I have something here without parole because I went back and I watched the last two races, and I was really, really impressed. And ever since the Breeders' Cup mile of 2019, ran third that day, and back into Lasix, this last effort, the Maker's Mile at Keeneland, really sold me completely. And if you have the opportunity, go back and watch that race. Gets beat by three-quarters of length for the whole ball of wax. John, I read Ortiz is not gonna is not gonna let him down this time. And with Chad Brown, I think it's double duty time. It might be a little chalky, but I'm gonna take what I can get. But I'm gonna hammer without parole. Well, a five year old son of Frankel. If you haven't seen the movie, go to I believe I caught it on Netflix. The movie Frankel is sensational. Plus, he's a sensational racehorse and a sensational sire. So you'll get no arguments from me. But one of my favorite movies was Raging Bull. So I might have to give that horse a look. But, uh, you know, you, 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 you get uh, Chad Brown and Irad Ortiz on without parole. I think those two boys have won a couple races put together. Well, Ed, got a couple minutes left. So uh, let's go down to the Jersey Shore uh, to Monmouth Park. Uh, it's... Uh, not a not a big field, but it's an interesting one in the Phil Isselin mile and a sixteenth. It's a Grade Three, two hundred thousand on the line. Uh, second back, Ball Harbor, Jersey Joe, and then you know because of the uh, jockey restrictions, you know they don't want to be in jail for a week to 10 days, whatever it is now, uh, this warrior's charge, I, I think he has the speed of the speed, though pirates punch isn't going to be far behind. I, you know, I, I looked at this race <laughs> once again, it, it, I'll tell you what, I'm a chalk eating weasel this weekend because <laughs> I really like warrior's charge and the metropolitan handicap was a better race than it actually shows on paper. Prior to that, came from Oakland, John. And this year, this Colt by Munnings, and that's another runner that, uh, you know, it just seems to be getting better and better with time here. Yeah. But this is a this is a four-year-old. You're coming from the Brad Cox barn. He's winning 23% on the year. You can't squabble with the numbers. I think the Metropolitan was better than we saw, has not raced in 49 days. Here's the secret. Here is the secret juice for me. Paco Lopez is winning 29%. And if you go over to the distance side, this son of Munnings is four for four at the distance back on the Jersey Shore. And I'll tell you what, is not there for nothing. I heard the Oakland meet every single race was razor tough this year. Even even the, the optional claiming and, and the allowance races were, were just ugly. To, to There was no, there was no uh, slam dunks out there. So when you race that Oakland, on this meet, you got a whole lot out of it. Had a win in a very hard beaten second that day. I see Warriors Charge taking the lead. It may even have the ability just to lay off maybe in the second spot and just run down the leader. But four for four at the distance, Paco Lopez, who loves the oval, Brad Cox, say no more. Eight to five on the chalk eating weasel. 
Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth as far as the distance ability. Four for four, uh, $442,000. You know, uh, I don't know. When I first started out trying to read, you know, different guys like Andy Byer and stuff, um, Tom Ainsley always said, you can measure a horse's best distance with a yardstick and a mile and a sixteenth is that for Phil Islin and Warriors Charge. All right, Ed, producer's telling me I got to go. You used to sit in this seat. You know what that's like. Thanks a million. I'll be in touch with you. We'll, maybe we'll powwow on some of the other races on Saturday, okay? Sounds terrific, John. Hey, best of luck to all your listeners, and thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. All right, Ed Meyer, he does it all, works in racing offices, um, makes morning line, calls the races in the afternoon, used to host winning uh, winning ponies, handed the microphone over to me. Uh, great to have him on. Jay Privman, what can I say? You know, the guy's one of the top riders in the sport of thoroughbred racing. I thank them both, and I thank you for tuning in to Winning Ponies. Having trouble figuring out some of these? Get the easy win forms. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners. Winners.